Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. We've been talking about the plumb line. The plumb line is designed to ensure that the walls of a building are vertical. But also, not only is the plumb line important, but the cornerstone, which is normally the first stone that's laid in a foundation of a home or a building, because the basis of the entire building is based on that cornerstone. And when we're not building our life on the cornerstone of Christ, it leads to problems in our lives, our marriages, and our families, and our homes. So let's make sure that we have the plumb line of Christ in our lives, and also building on the cornerstone a firm foundation. Amen. All right, so we're in this series, Prepare, and today I'll be talking about the cornerstone. As you probably figured out, Christ is the plumb line for our lives. As we've talked about over the past few weeks, the plumb line is designed to make sure that the walls stay vertical. Um, so let's go to Amos chapter 7, 7 and 8. And uh, the Lord is speaking to Amos, and he's giving him some visions. And he says in verse 7, Then he showed me another vision. I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built using a plumb line. He was using the plumb line to see if it was still straight. So the Lord is talking to Amos, and he's saying, Okay, it was built with a plumb line, and it was... It was vertical at one point in time, but is the wall still straight? Let's, let's read on. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? I answered, a plumb line. And the Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore their sins. So when we look at the plumb line of our lives, is Christ the plumb line in our lives? It would appear that we could, well, let me say it this way. We have the freedom and the ability to walk away from the Lord or drift away. That we are no longer plumb. Think about the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? At one point in time, probably, probably those walls were plumb. But the problem was the foundation wasn't set right. And so if our walls are plumb, but then our foundation is not right, we can begin to shift and we lose that plumb. And so Jesus is the plumb line. And he, he asked him, he says, what do you see? He says, I see a plumb line. And the Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. And we know the plumb line is Jesus. I will no longer ignore their sins. So when we're talking about prepare in this series, we're not talking about religion. You know this, we're talking about our relationship with the Lord. And, in the, and throughout history, we see where the Lord sent people to, the Lord uh, called prophets and, and people to Israel and Judah. And he would, he would continually be telling them when they would turn away, turn back to me. Stop worshiping these idols from these other tribes and these other peoples. Turn back to me. And I believe that today the Lord is speaking to his church and he's saying, turn back to me. Let me be the plumb line in your life. Let me be the cornerstone on which you're building your life. 
The scripture tells us that the foolish man will build a house on the sand. But wisdom says we build on the rock. And, he's, and this is really spiritually, he's talking about build on the rock of Christ. Because when the winds come and the storms blow, the house built on sand will fall and it will have a great fall. And so our lives need to be built on the solid rock of Christ. Jesus gives John a vision for the seven churches in Asia and Laodicea. Um, It was the wealthiest church of the seven that he wrote to. But Laodicea had a problem with their water. And so they had aqueducts built and they would bring water in from hot springs. But by the time it got to the people, it was no longer hot. And it wasn't refreshingly cool, it was lukewarm. And so uh, the Lord is speaking to, to John about this church, and he's saying not only is the water lukewarm, but the people there are lukewarm. So let's pick this up in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Write this to the angel of the church of Laodicea. So he's writing to the churches, and this is one particular church that he's writing to. He's not writing to a building. Who's he writing to? He's writing to people. We are the church, right? And so he's he's writing to the church, and he says, This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. This is the message from Jesus, and when we go back and read these scriptures in Revelation, it's in red, because it's Jesus speaking here, and he says, I know the things you do. I know all the things you do. And so some of the churches he's, saying, he's encouraging, he's saying, hey, you're doing well. And some of the churches he's saying, you're not doing so well. But let's read on. He says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. He's saying, either be hot for me, okay, or if you're cold for me, I can handle that. I can bring you into this relationship. But this lukewarmness doesn't work. And I think we see many Christians today that are lukewarm. They're not really hot for God, and they're not really cold for God. It's just kind of lukewarm. Consider your relationship with Jesus. Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it, is it lukewarm? Consider this. How does your life demonstrate your position with the Lord? Because you can talk all day long, but what does your life reflect? What do others see in our life? Do, do they see somebody that's really hot for God, or do they see somebody that's just cold? Or do they see someone that's lukewarm? Revelation 3.16 continues, But since you are like light, uh, sorry. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I remember when I was growing up, sometimes we'd play sandlot football or we'd be out working in, in the yard or whatever, and there was nothing quite like a cool drink of water. You didn't want to drink anything really hot, right? You're already 100 degrees. It's 100 degrees outside. You didn't want to necessarily drink anything really cold, ice cold, because your body is hot. You don't want to shock your body. 
But just that cool glass of water would soothe your thirst. And I remember we lived out in the country and we had a water well. And that water had a little bit of a salinity to it, a little bit of a salty taste. And there was nothing that would quench your thirst, thirst quite like that, that kind of salty, cool well water. And so the Lord is saying, be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I don't, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And you, he goes on to write, you say, I'm rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you look at how blessed we are to live in this country. We are so blessed. And if you've been to other countries, you know what a blessing it is to, to live in this country. We have everything that we need. We have clean water. We have a roof over our head. You go to the grocery store, there are hundreds of choices, thousands of choices to choose from. And he's saying that these people are saying, hey, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. I don't need anything. And if you look at where we live today, we're really richly blessed. And I think that that can be a hindrance to some people in their walk with the Lord because I don't, I don't really need God. I'm good. I have everything that I need. And I think this can cause some Christians to become casual with their relationship with the Lord. Now let's read on. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now, he's just told them, you say, I'm rich, but what he's doing here, he's saying, spiritually, you are poor, you're wretched, you're blind and naked. Whenever we're looking at the scripture, we need to con consider the, the spiritual context. Over the past few weeks, I've said the spiritual realm impacts the physical realm, and the physical realm impacts the spiritual realm, right? And so when we're looking at these scriptures He's not always just talking about something going on physically. He's talking about our spiritual condition. He's saying, you think you're rich. You think you have all that. But spiritually, you're bankrupt. Spiritual blindness leads to deception. You may want to write this down. Or if you have the U version, it should be on, on the slides there. Spiritual blindness leads to deception. Spiritual deception leads to destruction. So we need the plumb line of Jesus. We need to build on the, cat, the cornerstone of Jesus to keep our life in sync with him and his purpose and plans for us. I want you to, to uh, well, let me give you the second point. The first point is Christ is a plumb line for our lives. The second point is a question, is your life plumb with the Lord? I want you to close your eyes and think about these questions for a moment. Or these comments, I guess, really, more than questions. Maybe your life is firmly connected to the Lord. Maybe your life was firmly connected to the Lord. Maybe your life is hotly connected with the Lord. But maybe your life now is lukewarm. I don't know. You know. You can open your eyes now. You know. God is speaking to you. And this is not, please hear me, and you know this, is not about performing. It's about connecting with the Lord and allowing Him to be the plumb line in our life. Because if we have any other plumb line, if we have any other cornerstone that we're building our life on, it's going to fail. And so we need to make sure that we have the plumb line of Christ in our life and we're building on the cornerstone of Christ, not on our own cornerstone. So here's a question for you. Ask the Lord, how do you see my relationship with you? 
How do you see my relationship with you, Lord? On January 8th of this year, um, when we began this series, I taught on changes. That was one of the topics. And we cannot deny the shift happening in the world around us, even in the body of Christ. And in May, uh, May 22nd of 2021, the Lord gave me a word for us, and it was prepare. And that's the title of this series. But I thought the Lord wanted me to go back and say, look, let's drill down a little bit more into preparing. And then January 23rd of last year, toward the end of the 21-day fast, the Lord spoke to me again. He said, are, are you prepared for my return? And he followed that up the next day with, I'm returning soon. And I said, what do you want me to do with this word, Lord? And he said, press into me. Are you prepared for my return? I'm returning soon. And as I've shared, I don't know what that means. It could be his second coming. It could be that he wants to pour out revival on us, on this nation. Look what's happening at Asbury. God is moving. And I'm saying, Lord, we want that here. I don't want to travel to Kentucky to see what's going on. I want to experience that right here, right now. We've been praying for years for Jesus' revival to take place in our communities. And so that's what I want to see. I want to see God move. And, and so he says, are you prepared for my return? I'm returning soon. What do you want me to do, Lord? He says, press into me. I said, what do you want me to tell my fellowship? How do you want me to handle this word with our church? And he said, tell them. See, God is speaking to us, and he's not just giving us information. He's giving us instructions. And so are we taking his word seriously? And so in this series, Prepare, these are the topics we've talked about fasting the first week. We talked about changes that are happening. How do we navigate through the changes that we see happening in the world around us? How do we navigate through those challenges as a Christian? How do we navigate through those things as a church? And then the next uh, teaching was on spiritual vision. Fasting changes our spiritual vision. Are we connecting with him when we're reading the word? Are we ingesting that and saying, Lord, what are you saying to me through your Holy Spirit about how to apply and how to live this thing out? And then the next message was on action, taking action. So the Lord is speaking to us, not just so we can have more information or understanding, but so that we can do something with it. And then on our fifth Sunday chili cook-off, Lewis talked about ministry, that we're all called into full-time ministry. Maybe not vocational ministry. And then Pastor Christine taught the next week on now. How do we take this stuff and put it into the fabric of our life today and now? And then last week with Pastor David, we talked about ministry more. More. How can we further take this word? How can we take the, the, the life of Christ and disseminate that to the world around us? How can we demonstrate that? And then today we're talking about the cornerstone that ties in so well with the plumb line. Our interest is in building people, not structures. Structures will come and go, they'll fall. But we're talking about building people. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about building the church, us. We are the church. So Christ is the plumb line for our lives. My second point is, is your life plumb with the Lord. 
And then my third point this morning is Christ is the cornerstone for our lives and for the church. And then uh, there's some references here on this next slide. And we'll talk about many of these this morning that reference the plumb line. I think the only one that we'll uh, not talk about is uh, found in Romans 9 and 10, but you can go back and read that. In Psalm 118, it's written about God's eternal, unchanging love toward us and His security for us in this ever-changing world. And it's a prophetic word speaking about Jesus. So let's go to Psalm 118, 22 through 29. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And in some versions it says the chief cornerstone. Because if you think about it, there were probably, if you have a, a building, it probably has four cornerstones or four corners to a building probably, right? But he's talking about the chief cornerstone. He's talking about the first one. Because the basis, of, like I shared earlier, the basis of the entire building is based on that cornerstone. Because it determines where the other cornerstones are and the, where the building is. It determines the foundation. It is key. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And so when, when the cornerstone came, when Jesus came, it was a good thing that the Lord had done. And rejoicing, praise and worship, is, I love it when you guys are just entering into worship, is a choice that we make. This is the day that you have made, Lord. I'm going to rejoice in it because you've given me another day with breath and life and the opportunity to see your beautiful creation and, and to have you work in my heart and life and, and see you move in miraculous ways and experience your love. The writer goes on to write, please, Lord, please save us. You know, he started off with the cornerstone, talking about the cornerstone. And now he's saying, please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. And that's not success found on a worldly uh, concept. It's success in having this relationship with him because when we have him, we have all that we need. He will provide. Seek first the kingdom and what? His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the, the house of the Lord. So we're praising Jesus. The one who came to save. The cornerstone. And we bless you. So when we come on Sunday morning or life groups or whenever we're spending time with the Lord, we're blessing Him and we're thanking Him for life, for our forgiveness of all of our sins, that we can walk in this newness of life, this freedom. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords to the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Again, we see that these are things that we do. It's our choice to praise God and to exalt Him. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And I know we may have heard songs with these lyrics, and we may have heard these scriptures before, but let's just take a couple of seconds and think about this. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever.
Let's go back to verse 22. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And we know that when Jesus was here, the religious leaders who should have recognized who he was rejected him. People rejected him. People today still reject him. Jesus was having a conversation with the religious leaders and he was talking about the, the parable of the farmer that leased his vineyard to others. And you can go back and read this scripture or this passage, and I think it's in, in Matthew 21. And the, the landowner sent his son to receive the landowner's portion, and they killed him. And so he's talking to the religious leaders and the Pharisees and these guys, and they realized that he was talking about them. So let's pick up the, the, uh, the story here in Matthew 21, 42, and 43. Then Jesus asked them, didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? When Jesus asked a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He knew very well that they had read this in the scriptures. And he was poking at them. Haven't you read the scriptures? You go around all dressed up in your garb and you know, trying to come across as all holy and righteous and all this kind of stuff, but yet you miss the heart of God? You miss the Messiah who is right here? Haven't you read these things in the Scriptures? The stone, and, and then he quotes from Psalm Isaiah, I'm, I mean Psalm 118, 22, and 23. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. Their hearts were hardened. They didn't want to lose their position. Jesus was too powerful. They really didn't want the Messiah to show up. I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. The Jews are God's people. He created a nation out of a people. He loves them. But the Jews, I think, had become arrogant, and they had become thinking that they were the only ones. They had access to God that nobody else did, and Jesus is saying, hey, there are others. It's not about your, uh, um, where you were born or any of that. It's not about your race. It's about your heart. And so God is, we know that as Gentiles, as non-Jews, we're grafted into the body of Christ. We have access to him. We can have a relationship with him. And Jesus was trying to get them to have a relationship with him instead of being all caught up in the law and their rules and regulations and missing the point of the heart of God. In Isaiah, Isaiah is calling Israel back to God. Isaiah 28, 16. We're talking about the plumb line and we're talking specifically today about the cornerstone. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. He's talking about Jesus. <laughs> Hundreds of years before. He said, I'm sending, uh, a placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. So we're talking about building on the cornerstone. We're talking about building on the rock, having a solid foundation in Christ. 
It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. In Ephesians, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. We are members of God's family. When we accept Christ and we come into this relationship, you don't have to be a Jew. You don't have to jump through all those hoops. It's about coming into this relationship with Christ. He goes on to write, Together we are His house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. So we know that the prophets brought the Word. The apostles brought the Word. Jesus is the Word. And our foundation is built on Him, on Christ. Let's go to 1 Peter 2, 4-7. through You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but He was chosen by God for great honor. We are coming to Christ. We're growing in our relationship Right? And coming to Christ, this term means approaching, occupying our life with Christ. We are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone. He's alive. He was rejected by the people, but He's chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. You know, when I've read this scripture, you know what I've envisioned was a bag of gravel or rocks. We're living stones. Have you heard that before? I'm sure you have. We're living stones, right? And I'm thinking of a bag of rocks. That's not what it means. Living stones, we are alive. We're not just a bag of gravel or rocks. We're shaped for a specific purpose. We are combined together to be His temple, the dwelling place of His Spirit. So no longer do I envision a bag of rocks. I envision that we are living stones. Maybe God is still taking a little bit off or shaving us down a little bit, right? So that we fit together. Because the body of Christ is not just a stagnant thing. It's, it's a dynamic thing. And so we're growing together. And so you have a shape that nobody else <laughs> matches. But... Your spiritual shape, this is what I'm talking about here, really fits perfectly within the cornerstone and the foundation of what God is doing. So we all need one another. So we're shaped for a specific purpose because nobody has your giftings and callings and personality and quirks and all the things that you have. Only you have those things. But God created us all uniquely and individually so that we can work together. He goes on to write, what's more, you are his holy priest. Never consider that, that we are his priest, that we are made holy, we're made righteous by the blood of Christ. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So what are the spiritual sacrifices? It's our life. Are we living our life and saying, Lord God, it's not all about me? But I'm yielding to you. 
I'm allowing you to, to shave off and shape me a little bit to be the living stone, not a dead stone, but a living stone. It's our life. It's our acts of worship characterized by a mature Christian life, that we're growing. Okay, so when we get saved, we're a baby Christian. God is working in our hearts and our lives, and He's still working in our hearts and lives as we grow and we mature in Him. Because it's not about becoming mature. It's about this relationship and Him transforming our lives. First Peter goes on to write in, in verse 6, 2, 6, As the Scriptures say, and he's quoting from Isaiah now, 28, 16, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. You know, we, we see that the, the disciples, they walked with Jesus, they lived with Jesus, and still they had <laughs> problems understanding sometimes the depth of what Jesus was trying to teach them. But we have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. So are we getting greater understanding? Are we understanding who we are in Christ? You are a priest. We are representing Him. We can walk in the power and the fire and the dominion of Jesus. We have that within us. It's not us doing it. It's God working through our hearts and lives. It's God using our lives to make a difference in the world around us. So when we pray for someone and they get healed, it's not us, it's God. But he's, he's partnering with us. He's using us to go and pray for people. He uses us to encourage people. He uses us to reach out in love to other people. Those that, that don't know that God really loves them. Well, God can't love me. Yes, he can. And yes, he does. And let me be a demonstration of that love for you. Peter prays for a man that had been lame for 40 years, and the man gets healed. Then Peter and John were reprimanded by the religious leaders. You know, Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath, and they want to kill him. Oh, you healed on the Sabbath. <laughs> Acts 4, 11 through 12. For Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Let us not be like the religious leaders that rejected Christ, but let us receive in fullness everything that he has for us. He, he goes on to write, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Bam. There it is. Drop the mic. That's it. There's no other name by, by which we must be saved other than Jesus, the cornerstone. So Christ is the plumb line for our lives. Are we taking out the spiritual plumb line on occasion and saying, hey, is my wall still straight? Or is my foundation off a little bit? Is my, is my wall leaning? Have I been begin to compromise some things in my life? 
the great news is that if we have, we can always come back. He's got the plumb line. He is the plumb line. And through the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts and lives, we can get a readjustment. We can say, Lord, I'm not yielding this area of my life to you, but I'm going to give it to you. And with your help, I can, I can overcome. I can over, overcome these struggles or challenges. See, it's not about task. It's about this relationship. My second point is your life plumb with the Lord. My third point is Christ is the cornerstone for our lives in the church. Have we built our lives on the cornerstone of Jesus? Or have we built it on finances or our job or ourself? What is the cornerstone in our life? Because any other cornerstone other than Jesus will lead to failure. 